thank you for the people of God today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the pastor of this congregation. I thank you for the privilege and the honor of standing before your people today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, bless God, everyone. Amen. So glad that we're all here tonight. Glad to have our folks online. I believe one of them will be my wife. She said she would. Amen. So let's pray for Sister Vicki and my wife and many others that are feeling sickness right now. And um, God's able. Amen. He never promised us we'd never get sick. Amen. Hallelujah. We just cast it on Him and keep going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe God's got a word tonight for somebody. Amen. I don't just say that as hyperbole. I really mean that. I really believe God's got a word for you tonight. If you've prepared your heart, your mind, if you've prayed through the day, if you've prepared yourself to receive, God's got something for you tonight. I don't know what that is, but throughout the course of whatever he has me to say tonight, there's going to be something for you if you're hungry, if you're searching you feel like you need something from God, He's got something for you tonight. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. I believe that. Amen. Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles tonight to the book of Gideon. Uh, book of Gideon. Yeah. Okay. Gideon chapter 1. Why isn't everybody turning? <laughs> All right. Who knows where Gideon's at in the Bible? Sword drill. <laughs> Judges chapter 6. I looked right down at it. It's got a little, little like a title thing above the chapter. It says Gideon's Call. I looked right at that and just said that. <laughs> Amazing how the brain works, isn't it? Hallelujah. Jesus is a good God. Amen. Hallelujah. Get. They almost did it again. Judges. <laughs> little comic relief for you there. <laughs> didn't, didn't even mean to do that. So, hallelujah. Amen. God knows our humanity, doesn't he? Amen. Amen. And in spite of our humanity, he still uses us anyway. Amen. And many times, I believe, because of it. Amen. Verse 1, chapter 6 of the book of Judges. Everybody say the book of Judges. Amen. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of, the, of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and the caves and strongholds. They went, they went to hiding in the mountains. Amen. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them, and they encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth, till thou came till thou came to Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for a multitude, for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished. Because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Isn't that just human nature? 
when you're getting the whooping, now it's time to start crying and praying, asking for mercy. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet. Be careful what you cry for. God's going to send you a prophet to speak a word to you. That the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drove them out from before you and gave you their land. And he said, and I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was at Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Amen. You can be seated. And so, tonight, I was going to title this Threshing Wheat in a Wine Press, but I felt impressed to call it Getting Out of the Box. Getting Out of the Box. Guy climbing out of a box that's got a, a, uh, a set of bars in it like a jail. We got to get out of the box, and so, so I, we're just going to talk about Gideon here for just a little bit, okay? And so, what is a wine press? A wine press is a pit or a large vat where grapes are collected and the juices pressed or squeezed from from them and channeled into a large container. Wine presses were usually dug or found in vineyards. Amen. So then, the question is, what is a Threshing floor. Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary describes a threshing floor as a flat surface prepared for the threshing of grain. The threshing floor was usually located at the edge of a village, frequently on a large flat rock outcropping. When no flat rock was available, the threshing floor would be prepared by leveling the ground and pounding the earth to create a hard surface. Threshing was the removal from the kernel grain from its stalk was was done by different methods, including the beating of the grain by the farmers in the case of a small quantity of grain, using animals to tread over the grain again and again, and using animal-drawn machines for large quantity of grain, such as threshing sledged, mentioned in Isaiah 41:15. After the wheat stalks had been threshed, the grain was separated from the chaff and with the aid of the wind. They would throw it up in the air, and the wind would take the chaff and just blow it away in the the good wheat would fall back down because it was too heavy for the wind to blow it. As as the threshed wheat was winnowed, i.e. thrown up against the wind, the chaff was blown away. The farmer would burn the unwanted things and the the straw and the chaff. He would burn all of that. And so the the Bible, many places, talks about wine presses, and, and it's symbolic of judgment against sin, about being in the wine press, being pressed down. Jesus uses the idea of the chaff and the wheat on the threshing floor with regard to the final judgment. He talks about that in the New Testament. How in the last day there's going to be a threshing. There's going to be a separating from the chaff from the wheat. There's going to be a separation from the sheep from the goats. The Bible talks about that in Matthew 25. And so we, there's, going to be a, there's going to come a day. I'm telling you right now, there's coming a day of judgment. 
Every individual that within the sound of my voice and every individual in this city and every city, every nation, every tongue, every people is going to be judged. We're all going to stand before the maker. And so here we find Gideon in this, in this uh, I don't want to call it a story because it's history. It's historical. It's not a story. Some, some people want to call the Bible a book of stories, but it's, it's history. Amen. Gideon was operating by faith, and he was thinking outside the box. When he decided to go to the wine press to thresh wheat, he must have been a righteous man. Now, I'm just just positing some things here. I'm I'm I don't I'm not trying to read into this, but it just seems to me like that Gideon was a godly and a righteous man, just like Noah was, just like many others in the Bible that God chose to use. In situations like that, he must have been a righteous man in light of the fact that God had deemed all of Israel wicked during this time. So the circumstances that they found themselves in were very dire. They tried to grow stuff. They tried to they tried to take care of themselves and feed themselves. And it just seemed like every time they turned around, here come the Midianites to just go through their, their farmland and destroy their crops. And so what did Gideon do? He found himself thinking, okay, i got to feed my family. It doesn't say that he had one, but I have to believe that Gideon at least had some family. You know, the, the house of, it talks about being a part of his father's house. He was trying to, wouldn't you try to do something to feed your family? And so what did Gideon do? He was very industrious. And so he said, you know what, if I go thresh wheat in the wine press, they'll never look for me there. Because they'll expect us to be threshing wheat where? In the threshing floor. So there's Gideon just trying to fend for himself, just trying to feed his family, thinking outside the box and thinking, okay, God, we just have to go through this for a little while. Seven years is not forever, and I'm just going to have to do what i got to do. I'm thinking outside the box here, God. And so I'm going to start threshing this wheat secretly behind this wine press so that I can get at least get some some wheat together so I can make some bread for my family. Things could not be done the normal way that they had been used to. When they went into bondage, everything changed. You didn't do things like you used to do them anymore. Life wasn't grand anymore. Life wasn't fun anymore. They had been wicked. They had been evil. They had been given chance after chance after chance. And God had decided to put them into bondage for seven years. And so here they are. That was God's judgment. When God determines to bring judgment on people, it's going to happen. You can't pray your way out of it. You can't run away from it. And and there were several places in the Bible where God told the people of Israel, if you turn and run, you're going to die. If you just, just hang out and just let them take you into bondage, I'll keep you in bondage. And that's what he did. The ones that tried to turn tail and run, they didn't make it. And so even when God brings things into our life, the first, our first human response is to, to just complain and, and to try to turn tail. And what, what did we do, God, like, as if we, we find ourselves thinking, how, was it that bad? It must have been because God made this decision. He brought these people 
into bondage. So Gideon refused to be limited by his circumstances. We find ourselves like that today. We find ourselves circumstances and things coming up and, and just, just things out of the norm, things out of, the, out of what we expect to be normal every day, things just going on all around us in this world. And we, we're thinking, dear God in heaven, what am I going to do? You know, these people with kids in school with all this mess going on in the schools. Dear God in heaven, what, how should I keep my kids in the school? Are they going to be inundated with all this junk that they're trying to teach? Right? So unfavorable and out of ordinary conditions are not an excuse to do nothing. Let me say that again. Unfavorable or out of ordinary conditions are not an excuse to do nothing. Well, fine then. God's going to put us in bondage. I'm just going to sit over here and suck my thumb. And oh, poor pity me. My dad, my dad used to say to me all the time when I was a kid, Stop crying, oh, poor me, son. He'd say things like, Can't never did nothing. That's true. Can't never did nothing. And why did he tell me to quit crying, oh, poor me? He wanted me to pull, basically, he was telling me to pull myself up by my bootstraps and figure out a way to get it done. Just like Gideon was doing. He was figuring out a way to get it done. Amen? So God saw something in this humble man. I believe, you 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 can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that Gideon was one of those people like Noah that just stood out among everybody else. He just stood out and he was one of those people. The most unexpected one out of the crowd. He was just one of those people that just was thinking outside the box. He was he was like, okay, I'm not going to get caught up in all this that's going on. We got to survive this. And so Gideon, God saw something in Gideon. Judges chapter six, verses twelve through twenty-four. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now, what would you do if somebody, if God just spoke to you one day and said that to you? You're just sitting there minding your own business, <clears throat> excuse me, threshing some wheat, or you're making some bread on your counter, and you're minding your own business, you're doing some dishes, and God just speaks to you one day and says, The Lord is with you, thou mighty man, or thou mighty woman of valor. And Gideon said unto him, Oh, my Lord. If the Lord be with us, he didn't even, Gideon wasn't selfish. He didn't say, if the Lord be with me. He was including his whole, the whole tribe of Israel in this. If the Lord be with us, why then is this befallen us? Apparently he didn't get the, the memo that they were in bondage for. I don't know. Why does he say that? I don't know. And where, where be all the miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt, but not... But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. This is kind of like this is kind of like Jesus talking to Nicodemus, right? Because when Jesus, when Nicodemus asked all them questions, what did Jesus do? He just just sidestepped the question. And the Lord looked upon him and said, "Go in thy might. Go in this thy might." He didn't even pay attention to anything Gideon said. 
He said, let's just skip right to the, to the important part here. Go in thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. I, have I not sent thee? Have I not sent thee? Now, what would you do? God's talking to me right now. I'd be dropping dishes in the sink. I'd be, whatever I was doing, I'd be dropping tools if I was working on my car. I'd be doing, I'd be stopping what I was doing if, if I knew. But maybe he didn't. Let's read. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Now, let's be honest. How many have felt like that? It's okay if you raise your hand. I'm raising mine. How many have said that maybe out loud? No, not me, Lord. That, I, you, don't you realize who I am? I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just nobody over here. I know you saved me, God, but I'm just this nobody over here. Go use somebody that's a somebody. We might not have said it, but we might have thought it. And this is what he said. Kind of sounds like some other people in the Bible, doesn't it? Oh, God, you, you don't want to use me. I'm, I'm the wrong guy. I'm not the guy for the job. Just go find somebody else. Just leave me here to sift my wheat, would you? And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. He See, God ignored him again. <laughs> he did. And thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give you a little advance information here 120,000 people he's going to smite them as one man now if God said that to you or me I don't know I guess that maybe in, in my mind I'd be thinking oh, come on because that doesn't just it's like building an ark that just doesn't sound right that doesn't make any sense maybe that's what Gideon was saying and he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And, I, and he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour. The flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and brought it unto him under the oak, and presented it. Now, now let's just... Just, just stop and think about what just happened here. He's, he's questioning in himself. Is, this God, is God really talking to me? <laughs> he just, he says to the, the God that he, he's not sure he's really talking to him. Hey, would, to the angel, would you stay here and don't go anywhere and I'm going to go make some stuff and come back? And the angel says, Sure. Either he believes he's being talked to by God or he doesn't. I mean, you know, this this guy's a little, what's going on here? But, you know, to be honest with you, we would find ourselves in the same boat. If God came to you and said he wanted you to go do something totally just way out there in left field, and you're thinking, there ain't no way that I'm going to stand before the president and say these words that you're telling me to say to him. But I'm telling you right now, if God tells you you're going to do that, you better start packing your bags. Because he, if he's telling you you're going to do that, don't worry about how he's going to get you there. Don't worry about how, you know, none of that. None of the deep. Don't worry about it. 
God's going to send you before kings. Isn't that what the book says? He's going to send us before kings. He's going to, he's going to use his, his lowly vessels, those of us that think we're not worthy. He's going to use us to do mighty things. Amen? <laughs> and the angel of God said to him, take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and, and lay them on the rock, on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. He's still wondering, is this really? Is God really talking to me? Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there arose up a fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Wouldn't that be enough for you? Would you believe now? You just witnessed the stuff you just made just go up in, in flames right there on the rock. From, from flames come out of nowhere. Wow. And when Gideon perceived, finally, that, he was a, that it was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee. Fear not, thou shalt not die. Peace, Sister Linda. Peace. God spoke peace to him. He said, Don't worry about it. Just you know, the Bible says for us to seek peace and pursue it. That, to me, that what I, the way I hear that is God's going to give me a peace in the midst of whatever I'm going through. It's not going to be like tranquility peace, but it's just going to be a settled feeling in my spirit that no matter what, what I'm going through, whether it's like Job, whether I'm, I'm covered in boils or whatever it is, God's going to give me a peace through that. He's going to give me just an an understanding and a knowledge that he's got this. And if he takes me out of this world, that's his will, that's his business. So be it. But he's going to give me a peace about that. And so he was giving Gideon some peace. And then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom or Jehovah Peace. Unto this day it is yet in Ophrah of the Abizarites. Now, you think this would be the end of the story, wouldn't you? Hallelujah. So Gideon didn't initially realize that God saw in him something that he could use. He wasn't getting it right away, and we don't either sometimes. We don't. When God spoke to me in that parking garage, Brother Parker, and said, you will go to Wisconsin, you will serve me there, for just a split second, I mean like a split second, there was something that just entered into my head that said, don't believe that. And as soon as I heard that, I said, nope. This is exactly how it happened. I said, nope, devil, you're too late. I done heard it. <laughs> Get out of here. I knew what I heard. And you're going to have moments like that in your walk with God. It's not going to be a it's not going to be a thundering voice. It's just going to be something in your mind that he's just going to give. He's going to quicken something to your mind, and you're just going to know. You're just going to know. This is what I got to do. After that, did I have any doubts? Of course I did. The enemy tried to come in and steal that from me again and again and again. Of course he did. And there's times even to this day that he's still trying to do that. It's like. Go, dude, go try something else. Quit coming down that same road. 
<laughs> it's a done deal. I'm here, okay? But he don't want to leave us alone, does he? Amen. I'm not giving glory to the devil, but he is our enemy. And he is the God of this world. And he is here to try to, to get us to become a trophy of hell. If you haven't heard that message, you need to. So Gideon's humility would play a pivotal role in, his, in the process that God was taking him through. See, God was teaching him something just like he did with Joseph. Just like he did with Job. Just like he did with Noah. He was teaching him something in the process of him using him. And so when God begins to use you like that, for whatever it is, I don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be something God tells you to do that he won't tell me to do or somebody else to do. But he's going to teach you something in the midst of the process of you doing and obeying and being humble before him and just doing what he's telling you to do. It was Gideon's humility and his humanity that caused him to make sure that this was all God and not Gideon. That's why he kept questioning. He didn't want it to be Gideon. He didn't want to take any glory. He, I, that's why I believe he was a righteous man. That's why I believe he was a man that, that feared God and shoot evil, if you, if you can think of it that way. He didn't want to take any credit for anything that was going to happen. He wanted God to get all the glory. And we need to, we need to desire that. Whatever it is that we do, Lord, let me be humble. Lord, let me be humble. Don't, don't sing that song, oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble. I'm not going to sing the rest. You don't know it. Too bad. <laughs> That's not what we're supposed to do. I was just giving you a positive example and a negative example, okay? <laughs> he wanted God to have all the praise and glory. Amen? So back to Judges. I love this thing. And so he built an altar unto the Lord. And Gideon took ten men of his servants and... Di- and uh, Let me go back. Verse 25. And it came to pass that night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of the seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. Oh, man. He's bringing it close to home now. (laughs) We, You know, we we think about Gideon. We, We run right to that battle that he did, but there was some other stuff he had him do first. He said, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in, in the ordered place and take the second bullock and offer the burnt sacrifice with wood and with gro- uh, wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was because he feared his father's house and the, man of the, and the men of the city. That'll keep you from doing the will of God in a heartbeat right there. Let's read on. That he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. Okay, God, I'll do it, but I'll do it when I decide I want to do it. I'm not ready yet, God. Oh, you want me to go now, but maybe tomorrow. But if God tells you to go now, if God, if you're driving down the road and God tells you to turn here now, you need to turn. And I know some people that that's happened to, and they kept on going down the road, and they, the further they went from that turn, the more conviction they felt from God, and they were like, okay, i got to turn around. Because <laughs> he's not going to let me have any peace till I do what he told me to do. 
And that guy, the one guy I'm thinking about, he turned around, went back to that turn, and it was a private driveway, and there was a guy standing out in his driveway, and he just drove up and said hello, and the guy said, can I help you? And he said, well, the Lord was talking to me going down the road here and told me to turn here. I don't know why. He said, well, I've been praying. (laughs) Don't you want God to use you like that? I do. (laughs) All the time. Not just once, so I can say, hey, check that off. I did that. That's not a bucket list thing, okay, people? It's something you want to do all the time. That's something he wants to do through you all the time. All the time. Everybody say, all the time. And when the men of the city rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was... By it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built, and they and they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. He's not he's doing what God told him to do, and now he's getting all kinds of flack for it. Is God going to tell you to go do something and not let you suffer some flack for that? Huh? <laughs> he said, if, 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 if you love me and if you, if you want to claim that I'm yours and you're mine, you're going to be persecuted. I'm just paraphrasing, but that's what he said. And we have to be willing to understand that if God's calling us to go do something, there might be some persecution involved. But you have to be so, so just determined that this is from God that you don't care what happens to you. Because God's got, he told Gideon, peace be unto you. Don't worry about it. You're not going to die. What do these guys say? We need to go get him and kill him. Gideon had to remember. But God told me to have peace and I'm not going to die. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God took Gideon further than he imagined that he would ever go. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you say yes to God for this little thing, and you're faithful in that, get ready because He then he's going to ask you to do something else. And as you show your faithfulness, he's going to ask you to do something else. And it, it's, going to, it's going to begin to become graduated. Because God's looking for somebody that's willing to lay down their flesh, lay down their will, lay down their life. Right? What did he say? Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Not deny who you are. Right? Deny, deny this will that you, want to have, that you want to have a say, that you want to make the decision. Because I'm telling you right now, there can't be two heads on the throne. Either, either it's God's will or your will. It can't be both. He doesn't negotiate. <laughs> and if you try to negotiate with him, it's a dangerous place to be in. God might just say, fine, have your way. You don't want me involved in your life? Fine. He will. He's a gentleman. He'll go find somebody else. 
Many, 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 many people have done that over the years. I know men that have walked away from a calling because their wife didn't want them to be a preacher. And they're still out they're still out there today. They missed out. They missed their opportunity to be a servant. Who knows who what, what they would have done and who they would have affected and what, what God would have used them to do if they had just submitted regardless of that. But they chose. They made their decision. Brother Becker, they, they chose. The Lord will work with our faithfulness, our commitment, and our humility to accomplish the things that He wants us to do outside the box. Outside of our comfort zone. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing, nothing powerful, nothing of God's really going to happen in your comfort zone. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, you'll walk with God and you'll be faithful and all that, but God doesn't want us to be comfortable. He doesn't want us to stay in our comfort zone. He wants us to get outside of ourselves and trust Him. Paul was trusting Him when he was pushing the rocks off of him where they had stoned him, and they thought they stoned him to death. And and he was laying there thinking, okay, this is it. I'm going to go see Jesus. And God said, no, you're not. Get up, boy. <laughs> you got more. I got more for you to do. That you're not going to die. You you might be hurting, but you're not going to die, son. Get back up. Right? When they knock you down, just get back up. Till God says you're done, you're not done. Someone once said this, and I just believe this with all my heart. When I heard this, it just like, you know, you ever had those things that you hear people say and it's like revelation? And you go, wow, and it's, this is just stuck with me. And this person said this, submission begins where agreement ends. Submission begins where agreement ends. God's not going to ask you to do something that you're agreeable with. Sorry. <laughs> he had to blind a man on the road and let him fast for three days and sit in some guy's house for God to prepare him to be used. He ain't going to make it comfortable. Gideon had to endure the ridicule of his own family and of his own countrymen, if you will, of his own people who were in the middle of bondage because they were disobeying God. And what were they still doing? (laughs) Disobeying God. Worshiping Baal. And God was taking the lowliest, of the, the lowest of the low, the guy that, that was not on the list of the most likely to succeed in high school or anywhere else, and was using him to begin a process for Israel. Because what those people and what Gideon didn't realize, that this was the first step toward getting victory over these Midianites. You had to get rid of the junk that was in between them and God. So that they could see clearly what was about to happen. Because little did Gideon and those people know that he was fixing to be used greatly and mightily to deliver Israel out of this bondage. I heard one other guy say, when someday becomes today. (laughs) Don't we like saying that word? 
Well, someday. Someday. You know, someday I'll get married. Someday this. Someday that. Someday I'll have kids. Someday I'll have a bigger house. Someday, someday, someday. But what are you going to do when that someday, all of a sudden there's going to come a time where that someday is going to be today. Someday Jesus is going to come. No man knows the day or the hour or the minute or the second. Do you want to take a chance of operating under the premise of someday? I got time. No, you don't. You got time to get ready. People get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon we'll be going home. Amen? So Gideon had to endure some stuff, just like Noah, just like many others that were used mightily in the Bible. They had to endure some things. There was one young lady that said, if I die, I die. I'm going to go before the king. I know it's, it's outside of the norm. It's outside of the comfort zone. It's against the rules. I'm not supposed to do this. I, I, he should be able to just kill me on the spot. But if I die, I die. But she was willing to do that. For the sake of her people to die. One person died so the rest didn't have to. She took a chance. She trusted God. God showed himself mighty and sovereign when he used a humble man and 300 chosen men to defeat an army of 120,000. Unbelievable. Impossible. I could use the word incredible. What does incoherent mean? What's incoherent mean? Not coherent, right? In inconvenient. What does that mean? Not convenient. Incomprehensible. Not comprehensible. So what does incredible mean? <laughs> Not credible. You know the word incredible is used in the Bible by Paul? Look it up. Look up the meaning of it. It'll blow your socks off. Did mine. Hallelujah. When we start thinking outside the box, folks, outside of what's comfortable, outside of what's routine, outside of what's normal, God will recognize this in us. He's waiting. He's waiting for you. He is. He was looking for somebody and he found him. He was looking for somebody when when the world was so wicked and he found Noah, a man of righteousness. And he he said, okay, Noah, I'm going to use you to build a boat because there's a flood and some rain coming. And he never heard a flood, rain, or a boat. But what does the Bible say in Hebrews? Noah moved with fear to the saving of his own household. He didn't wait around. He just said, okay, God, you said i got to build a boat. Here we go, guys. Told his sons, let's start cutting lumber. We're going to build a boat. What for, Dad? Don't worry about it. Kept preaching righteousness. Kept building the boat. Kept preaching righteousness. Kept building the boat. Kept telling everybody it's going to rain. What's rain? I don't know, but it's going to rain. There's going to be a flood. What's a flood? I don't know, but there's going to be one. Is that what we sound like to people sometimes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all keep saying Jesus is coming. And, and you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, and yeah, we've looked, we've looked for him and he's not coming. So we're just going to eat, drink, and be merry. 
paraphrasing again. Let's not get caught in that. Let's not get caught in the, the, what, what the people did on that day. We can, we can tell that there's a storm coming by looking at the clouds. Red sky in the morning. Red sky at night. There you go. We can tell the weather, but the Bible says we can't see the signs of the times. We better be paying attention. In the Spirit. There's some things coming, folks. I don't want to be saying at the last minute, Oh, I think I need to get ready now. <laughs> Do you? No. I want to be ready. I want to have already been getting ready. God will recognize our humble efforts and He'll use us. And I believe, and I'm going to say, I don't know if this is prophecy or whatever, but I'm going to say that God's going to use people in this building to lay hands on people and there's going to be cancers drop off and there's going to be people healed, people delivered from devils and drugs and everything else in this city from the people in this room. God's going to use you if you let Him. He's going to use you. He, he don't need, we don't need Him to do it all. He wants you to do it. I'll never forget the testimony I heard about a bunch of young people in a mall in Texas that had a youth leader that just really just spent a lot of time with his young people, teaching them how to pray and teaching them how to pray in the spirit and all this. And there, here they are in this this mall, and they're just they're walking through the mall praying and talking to people and you know handing out tracts and stuff. And all of a sudden, somebody starts having a heart attack. I might have the story a little wrong, but it's basically it in a nutshell. And so the, these young people go running over there and start laying hands on this guy and praying for him. While everybody else is dialing 911. By the time the EMTs got there, the guy was sitting up. Everything was fine. Young people. Nobody told them to do that. They just said, hey, we got the Holy Ghost. We got power to lay hands on the sick. Right? What did, what did Joel say? That what happened in the last days? Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. What's prophesy mean? Preach. Proclaim. It's not just prophet, being prophetic. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your, your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And on your servants and on your handmaids, I'll pour out my spirit. And we're going to do all these mighty things. Why aren't we doing them? It took seven years of bondage and constant attacks from the livelihoods of the livelihoods of the people for Gideon to finally wake up and say, i got to do something. What's it going to take us? God is going to send some things our way. And I'm not going to make it till 8 o'clock. So, I don't, if I just keep hammering on and, and doing outside of what God's telling me to say, then it's just me and not God. So, just letting you know, unless God takes over here in a minute. He's already been taken over anyway. Hallelujah. He's in charge. I'm not. I'm just a conduit. I'm just a vessel. He just uses me as a mouthpiece to just say what he wants to say. God's going to send some things in these last days that will force us, force us to abandon the normal and the comfortable. If you don't believe that, can I say one, one thing? COVID-19. What did COVID-19... Do you think that God allowed that? Absolutely He did. 
did he allow did he allow that so that everybody could be sick? That was a that was sort of a an outcome of it. You can believe what you want. I believe God allowed it for the purpose of waking up the church. He was shaking the trees. Why did he do that? What what happened when COVID hit? We got taken out of our routine. Didn't we? We got taken out of our routine, out of our comfort zone, out of our traditional way of doing things. I'm on a prayer call five days a week. Six if I get in there on Sunday, on Saturday, with a guy from Florida, three guys from Iowa, a guy from Kentucky, and another guy from somewhere else. And sometimes Brother Harris that's over in Okinawa gets on there. But he, when he was in, in Wisconsin, he was getting on there every day. We didn't ever thought of doing anything like that before COVID. And, and Brother Hudnall down in Florida decided, felt like God told him to do that. And so one day I just get asked to join this call. Crazy, man. So we're on there praying for countries and praying for people and praying for situations. And we'd have never done that three years ago. Right? We would have said, oh, we got to have a prayer meeting in a building. So I drive to work early on purpose and get to the parking lot by 7 o'clock when the call starts. And I get on that call and I pray until about 10 to 8 with those people. And I, and I, now I, don't, I know that's not getting up early when it's dark and having that quiet time, you know. But, but I, we're getting it done. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. And sometimes there's only two or three of us on that call, but we don't just say, well, gee, there's not enough of us. I guess we can just cancel the call today. We don't do that. We just say, okay, we're going to pray. And pretty soon, 15 minutes, another one pops up on there, another one pops up on there, another one pops up on there. They come and go. People work. You know, they have to work it around their work schedule and and things like that. But we have to do some things outside the box. I love coming here praying on Tuesdays, but that's not enough. That is not enough. Not for me. <laughs> I'm, just saying, I'm just saying for me, that's not enough. I was excited when I got invited to this prayer call. I was excited. Man, and when I got on there, I was even more excited. And a guy I know from Kentucky is on there, and he just he was flabbergasted. Oh, my goodness, I haven't talked to you in seven or eight years. I said, man, this is awesome. But God's using people from around this. One of them is a pastor that Sister Bell used to babysit. <laughs> Brother Williams. <laughs> when I said Sister Bell on the call one day, he went, oh, my goodness. I said, yeah. Praise God. So he's going to call us, folks. He's going to get us out of our comfort zone, out of the same old, same old, if we want to accomplish his will. And so what happened in Gideon's life? God took Gideon through a process. He didn't just tell Gideon one day and the next day Gideon was in there with the 300 fighting the battle. He had to go through a process. He didn't start with 300, did he? How many did he start with? Yeah. And then so then he thought, well, okay, 3,000, that's a pretty good number. Let's go. God said, nope. 3,000 is not the right number. You're going to go this, do this, do this, and we're going to 
whittle it down to half of that. Okay, and then he said, okay, ready, let's go. God said, nope, not yet. Still too many. So finally he gets to the point where he wheedles it down to 300, and God says, okay, now you're ready. (laughs) I mean, I would be going, well, okay, God, okay, you're God, I'm not. And you know what? They didn't even have to lift a sword. God came in and caused the enemy to defeat themselves. And don't you think God's going to do that for you? When you think, oh my goodness, they've, they've called me to the, the courtroom and i got to go before the jail. Oh, this and all that. And oh, you know, I was trying to do God's will. Now I'm going to jail. And oh my goodness. And you, you don't think God knows that? <laughs> God already knew what He was going to do. There's a scripture in the New Testament that says Jesus already knew what He was going to do. Well, how do you know that? As his father told him, this is what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to say. Because Jesus always said, I'm not here for me. I'm here to do my father's will. I'm, I'm saying what he said to say. I'm doing what he said to do. And he is our example, isn't he? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. What did Christ do? What did Paul do? Paul did everything he was told to do. Paul was just like Jesus. He had nowhere to lay his head, did he? When he finally got into his ministry, did, do you ever remember Paul saying, i got to go to the house? He didn't. He had no house to go to. I'm not saying that that's what God's calling every one of us to do, but God might call you to do something like that. I mean, I was encouraging my family when I left Kentucky. I said, at least he didn't call me to Alaska. <laughs> they were like, that's not encouraging us. <laughs> sort of the frozen tundra, not totally to the frozen tundra. <laughs> I told them God's country, okay? I did. Because that's, that's what the man told me that, that I was doing was coming to God's country. I just refused to be a Packer fan, but that's just another story for another day. God didn't tell me I had to do that, so. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, y'all just keep praying i guess pray my strength in the lord as they say (laughs) praise god gideon had no clue what was about to happen to him but at the end of the day what happened god used one man He ignored the excuses. He ignored the questions. And he said, he just called him thou mighty man of valor. What are you going to do when God calls you? When God speaks to you when you're in the middle of your business, doing your dishes, driving down the road, at work, wherever it is that you're at. What are you going to do with that when God calls you? And don't sit there and say, he he ain't going to call me. I'm not worthy. Think about Gideon. Think about Moses. Think about all these people in the Bible that said, Oh, God, there's probably somebody better than me out there for this. (laughs) Look at old Abraham. You're going to be the father of a a great nation, Abraham. He told him that at 75. And when did he have his son? Like 25 years later. (laughs) So, if you're trying to use the excuse that you're too old, it didn't work with it didn't work with Abraham, did it? And and his wife said, oh, 
I'm too old to get pregnant. God said, why is she laughing? God knows what you're thinking right now. He does. I'm not down in old people, okay? I'll be 64 this July. I'm getting there. I'm coming up there with the rest of you, okay? And I'm starting to feel it. Well, I don't want to catch you, Brother Richard. Praise God. Amen. Let's all stand. Isn't God good to us? Amen. Don't you want to be like Gideon? Don't you want to find yourself in, in, a, in, the, in Gideon's shoes? Go down, tear down a grove, cut down some trees, burn up an idol, get your family all mad at you. They're all mad at me anyway, Sister Parker. What you know? What's the difference? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they all still, they still think I'm kind of whacked out, you know. And my one brother said, "Oh, he'll move back in two years." I looked at him and said, well, that's not up to me, is it? I didn't call me up here. He did. Praise God. So now my brother has resigned himself that I ain't coming back. As soon as I bought that house, they said, well, forget it now. He's done put down roots. Hallelujah, Jesus. I do love it in Wisconsin. I really do. It has grown on me. And I love being here. I love being in the will of God. I was questioning God the other day about shouldn't there be more I'm doing and shouldn't there be something shouldn't I be busy doing something and I was just mumbling to God nobody in this room but me does that right and you know what he said to me he said three words to me just be faithful I said okay so the way I took that was whatever it is I'm doing is what he wants me to be doing if it's just coming here and praying if it's just coming, whatever it is, it's just praying over that city and not not teaching one Bible study yet. If that's what he's called me to do, I'm just going to be faithful. And that's what he's looking for, somebody that will just be faithful. Amen. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to stand before your people today. Lord, I pray that the words that you have spoken through me have ministered to somebody, that they've received that word, O oh God, that you said that they would receive, God, that you would encourage and lift up your people tonight, Lord Jesus, as we go from this place. Father, challenge us to step out of our comfort zone, step out of the normal, step out of the same old, same old God in our life, O oh God, and begin to be used, O oh God. Show yourself mighty among your people, among the ministers that are in this building within the sound of my voice and on the Internet, Lord Jesus. Use them mightily for your glory, for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. See you men Saturday.